welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. With all of our younger ones away on youth camp, some 200 of them, I thought it would be only right and fitting that uh, I speak to the older, more mature ones of our church. Are there some older, more mature ones here this morning? Fantastic. That's awesome. I am in the right place. Um, And so it's kind of like part three of our On Mission series, but I'm taking a break from our On Series, uh, On Series, On Mission series, um, and I've called this message today, um, if you're not dead, God's not done. If you're not dead, God's not done. Some of you say, yeah, but I'm only in my 20s. I'm only in my 30s. I'm, I'm not old. That's fine. I know a lot of people who are in their 20s who are very old. I know some people in their 30s that have got really old when it comes to the things of God. And so today I want to get us on mission. I want us to understand our purpose for being alive for such a time as this. So if you find yourself today in your 20s, if you're in your 30s, if you're in your 40s, know this, I'm not just talking to those in their 60s and 70s. I'm talking about uh, your plan, uh, God's plan and God's purpose for your life so that we are a church that stay on mission. If you're not dead, God's not done with you. So what you have to do is find a pulse. Let's look for our pulse. If there's a pulse right now, you are not dead, which means you're not done, which means you have a job to do, which means that there is a plan and a purpose in you being alive today. And in us being alive, we can be part of the problem or we can be part of the solution. And so I want to talk this morning about us finding our place and our purpose as older ones in the body of Christ and hopefully stir us into action this morning. In Titus chapter 2, Titus is a book written by an older man. His name was Paul. And he was writing to a young man to encourage him in the faith, to encourage him in his leadership of a local church. Titus was not like Timothy. Timothy. They were both young men, but Timothy was a little bit of a mummy's boy. He was a little bit more afraid. Titus was one of those that was was ready for anything. He was ready for the challenge. And so kind of uh, Paul thought, you know, the best place you could possibly lead a church is in Crete and and, uh, where, where it's really quite difficult. But you still need my advice. And so this is Paul's advice to a young man leading a church. He says, You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men. He's he's telling the younger man to teach the older men to do something. He said, As a young man, I want you to teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women. Oh my God, he's got a younger man teaching the older women something. This is Paul's advice as an older man to a younger man, what to teach the older men and the older women. He says, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not slanderers, gossips, busybodies. Wow. Or addicted to much wine. 
I thought this was the black and white days when everything was A-OK. It was easy to live in Paul's time. There wasn't any problem. No, no, Paul had problems. He had older women drinking too much wine. And he said, teach them against, don't teach them not to get drunk. That would never happen here, would it, ladies? No. But teach what is good. Then you need to underline this next bit. Then they, the older ones that you've taught, then they can urge the younger women. In other words, teach the older men and the older women to teach the younger men and the younger women. Don't you do it all. Get them to do it. As older, wiser, more mature, more responsible members of the congregation, get them to teach the younger women. Get the older men to teach the younger men. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home. We've got a lot of women today just busy at work, but they're not busy at home. To be busy at home, to be kind and to subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the Word of God. Similarly, encourage. The older men have it easier than the older women. This is, this is Paul's advice to Timothy, uh, Titus, to give to the older men. Older men, teach the young men this, be self-controlled. That's it, full stop. If we can get our young men to be self-controlled, we were in with the chance. That's the only piece of advice he gives them. Older men, teach the younger men to be self-controlled. Full stop. In everything, set an example by doing what is good. Your key role as older men and older women is to be an example. Not just to speak, but to do. But to live, to be an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Here's Paul, an older man, writing to Titus, a younger man, how to teach the older men and the older women of his congregation. In actual fact, Paul was modelling the very thing he asked Titus to do. Paul himself was an example, and that's why he said with great authority, be an example. He says, teach the older men to teach the younger men. And teach the older women to teach the younger women. Teach them how to live through what you say and the way you live your life. Simple. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. If you're not dead, God's not done. If you are breathing today, you have a plan and a purpose for being here on planet Earth. And this morning, I want to look at an example in the Scriptures of an older man and a younger man and what the older man did for the younger man. And I want to go back into the Old Testament and look into the book of 1 Samuel and read from chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. And we're going to look at the life of an older man by the name of Eli. And we're going to look at the life of a younger man, Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord 
was rare. I want you to know, we live in a day where the Word of the Lord is rare. Many of you grow up having Bibles in your school. They were taken out a long time ago. Our young people are growing up in a society, much like Samuel, where the Word of the Lord is rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli. Here's a young man living at a time where the Word of the Lord was rare. Yet God spoke to this young man. Tradition would record that he was about the age of 12. As younger ones, uh, sorry, as older ones here today, let us not belittle what God can do and what God can say to our young people. We have many young people today away on camp and God is speaking to them. God is ministering to them. I heard just last night, my son, Mitchie, got prophesied over. And so I just quickly rang him this morning. He said, hey, Mitch, I heard you got prophesied over. What was said? He said, Dad, I'm going to be a giant kid. I said, you're going to be? You're kidding me? You already are. He heard God. God spoke to him. God wants to speak to our younger people. Let's not belittle what God is doing amongst the youth of our church. I believe camps are incredible. These events that we put on are incredible for God moments and God encounters. Granted, a process must be added to the event, absolutely. But events are all important nonetheless. And if you wanna be blessed, if you wanna be encouraged, if you wanna stay just a little bit younger, come to church tonight and it will do your heart good. The music will be a bit louder. The crowd will be a bit rowdier. And if your attitude is good, it will keep you young. Because God has spoken and is speaking and will continue to speak to our young ones. And God, in a time where the Word of the Lord was rare, spoke. And who did He speak to? This young man, Samuel, who was around the age of 12. He ran to Eli And he said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he said, here I am, you called. My son, Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. The Word of God, sorry, the Word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me? Then Eli realised that the Lord was calling the boy. So he told Samuel, go and lay down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, 
for your servant is listening. Samuel, around the age of 12 years of age, lived in a time where the word of the Lord was rare. That is no obstacle to God. God spoke to this 12-year-old child, and I believe he can speak to the youth of our church today. And in verse 5, it says, this is how he responded. He ran to Eli. I start thinking to myself, imagine if God was calling this young boy, but he had no one to run to. Who do the youth of our church have in this church to run to? That's a challenge for us. Can some of the young ones in our church come to you? Can some of the youth of our church run to you? Can they come to you after this camp and, and say, Kathy Lee, you'll never guess what God spoke. He said, I'm going to be a giant killer. Who can our young people run to? What would Samuel's life look like if he didn't have an Eli in his life? My whole life is, is, is a product of having people that I could run to. I thank God I can stand before you at the age of 44 knowing that I've never had to make a major decision in my life on my own. Every major decision I had people that I could run to, people that were more mature than me, people that were older and wiser, people that loved God and were more experienced in the things of God and I could run to them and ask for perspective. I've never made a major decision I didn't go to our pastor with, a, with a, an engagement ring on and say, hey, what do you think about me getting married to this girl? It's too late. But I had people speaking into my life about all the major decisions. And you know what it's equal for me? Granted, I've had a few problems, but for the most part, when I see a lot of people, I've had a pretty problem-free life. Because I've had Eli's in my life. Thank God for that. I thank God for people like my dad, like my pastor, Paul Benithan, like Dudley Daniel, an apostolic leader, like Danny Guglamucci. I thank God for certain people in my world that I could run to. Not just anybody. I'm not talking about running to people where you can push the buttons to get what you want to hear. I'm talking about having people that will speak what you need, not what you want. Thank God for Eli's. Could some of our young people run to you? And if they do run to you, what are they going to get from you? I want to look at three things very quickly this morning about Eli's life and what he did for Samuel. See, the first thing that stands out to me about Eli is that he was blind but he wasn't dead. In verse 2, it says, his eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see. This is a harsh reality about age. It means there's certain things you can't do anymore. Physically, there's some things I can't do anymore. In my mind, I can. I mean, I grew up playing soccer. And if you give me a soccer ball, I can still play. And I can still do all the fancy tricks that I used to do. But here's the thing. I'm not as quick as I used to be. In my mind, I am. And I know what to do. You get the ball, you flick it around there. And yeah, that's cool. And then you just flick it. It's a goal. The trouble is, 
It's just not as quick anymore. And the young guys just watch it and say, I know exactly what he's going to do, old man. That, that's the reality. There is a slowing down at some level with age. There is. There's also greater responsibilities with age. When I was a teenager and I wasn't married, I could pretty much do whatever I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do it. I didn't have to think about a wife. I didn't have to think about kids. If I wanted to go so I could just get in the car and go. I can't do that anymore. They are, they are realities for us as we get older. But with every child that was born into our family, it didn't mean I was dead. It didn't mean I could do nothing. I may not be able to play soccer the way I used to play soccer. I may not be able to roller skate the way I used to roller skate, but I'm not dead. And Samuel's, uh, sorry, Eli's eyesight was going, but he wasn't dead. He may not have been able to see like he used to, but he could still speak. It doesn't matter what your disability, it doesn't matter what you can't do. Don't focus on that. There is something you can do. And that something is what God wants you to use for His plans and His purpose. When Jesus came into town one day, there was a blind man called Bartimaeus. He couldn't see. That's what made him blind. It's deep, I know. You've got to do a lot of Bible college to come up with that truth. You've got to do a lot. Come with me now. I hope I don't lose you with the depth of theology here. I'm telling you, follow with me. Stay with me. Can you imagine someone saying, Jesus is here. Jesus is coming to town. He said, well, I can't see him. So I'm just going to eat my, my worms and feel sorry for myself because I can't see him. But you know what? Granted, he could not see, but he was able to hear. And what he heard was, Jesus is in town. So he used his hearing to good use. And the other thing about Bartimaeus, he could speak and so he starts shouting. And he shouts out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. People told him to be quiet. But he kept shouting all the more because there were some things that Bartimaeus could do and there were some things that Eli could do. Eli's eyesight was going. He was all but blind. Maybe some of you, your eyesight is going. I wear contact lenses for distance. I was born that way. I've always had problems with my eyesight. So I, got, I finally sorted out by putting contacts in. I get to 40 and the guy says to me, as I had my eye checked for my new contacts, he says, you wait, when you get over 40, your eyesight's going to change. I said, no way. That's what I said. And now, with my contacts in to help me see good long distance, when I'm trying to read up close, guess what? It's all blurry. And so I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like one of those people now that I, I vowed I'd never become like. I'm like... because I've got contacts in to help me see distance. So they've fixed that, but now I can't read this. So now, at the age of 44, I wear contacts and glasses. It's ridiculous. <laughs> or I can take my contacts out and see perfectly up close. But I can't see that. I just, it's like, what is going on? But I'm not dead. It's not over. 
Granted, every one of us has limitations. There is something you can't do. But here's a more important thought. There's something you can do. Eli was not able to see like he used to, but he was able to speak. If you're not dead, God's not done. Secondly, Eli needed a revelation and not just information. In verse 8, God speaks to this young man, Samuel. And Samuel runs in to Eli and says, You called? Here I am. And Eli, being a little bit older, a little bit blinder, a little bit grumpier, says, I didn't call you, go to bed. Come on, let's be honest, parents. How many of us have done that? I didn't call you, go to bed. Kids always play up at bedtime. They're not interested in reading their Bible at three o'clock in the afternoon. I remember as our kids growing up, the younger ones, they just, when they were younger, they, they didn't say, hey, Dad, can I just read the Bible? No, they, they want to play PlayStation, they want to watch television, they want to do everything else. At bedtime, when it's time to go to sleep, hey, Dad, can we read the Bible? Are you, you want to read the Bible now? Now that it's your bedtime. So we thought, if that's going to be the case, and we just, we just used to take it to bed earlier. So, we, we, so we, can, we can read, but kids try it on. And here's young 12-year-old Samuel. Did you call me? He's like, get to bed. Okay. Samuel, Samuel. Did you call me? This is the second time. Grumpy old Eli is getting a bit annoyed now. I told you to go to bed. The music's too loud. That's how we do it in church. Grumpy old men and grumpy old women, that's what we've become. Music's too loud. Maybe it is for you. Wear some earplugs. And enjoy young people worshipping God in a time where the Word of the Lord is rare. Going to bed. Turn your music down. The third time he calls. Samuel's like, what? At the risk of getting a jolly good hiding. I mean, I reckon Samuel's gone in the third time with a, with a pillow down his pants. Because I'm in for a flogging here. So he's kind of like, did you call me? <laughs> and it's only then that it dawns on him. Revelation breaks in. Wow. God's calling him. He's not being a naughty, naughty boy. God's actually trying to get his attention. And Eli has this moment where he can either help or hinder the process. And you have a moment, and I have a moment, where we can help or hinder our young people. 
See, the church is built on revelation, not information. There was an occasion where Jesus was asking, and you can read this in your own time, in Matthew 16. He says to the disciples, Jesus is brilliant at painting people into a corner. He would have been a brilliant lawyer. Having said that, he's our advocate. And he says, who do the people say that I am? And it's amazing the confidence the disciples had to talk about what everyone else was saying. Oh, some say you're this, some say you're that, some say you're the other. And so Jesus, I say, cool. So you've heard a few things. You've heard a few things about me, have you? Cool. Let me ask you this. Who do you say that I am? And it went silent. It's a lot easier to talk about what they said than what I think. And so now there's just silence. Who, who, who do you say that I am? It's silent but for one man, Peter. He says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus in turn says, well done, Peter. But this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And it's on you, on this revelation, that I'm going to build my church. If you want to build a family, if you want to build a youth group, if you want to build a church, if you want to build a business, it's got to be on the right foundation. And the right foundation is revelation of what God said. You can build a business and do it in a way that is dishonouring to God, but it's not a good foundation. And so Eli was telling this young boy off until he had a revelation. I didn't realise that God's in this. If we're going to embrace the youth of our church and the style of the music they like and the volume of the music they like, we're going to have to have a revelation. Because you're not going to like it. I'm not asking you to like it. I'm not even asking you to understand everything that the young people do. I've got three young kids. I don't even understand what they do. It's just different language. It's like forever trying to keep up. Everything's shortened. Like talking code. I'm sure they're trying to leave me out of the conversation. I'm just like. <laughs> YOLO. I know what that is. Everything's abbreviated. Mind you, I did get our kids back the other day. I said, ah, kids, do you like my DBs? I said, what are they? I said, desert boots. Because that's what we used to call them back in the day. <laughs> if you think that you have to like the music that they like and like the volume that they like, you've missed the point. You've made it all about you. You've missed the point. You need a revelation. Yes, good. We need a revelation that these young ones live in a time where the word of the Lord is rare. And anyone who comes to Jesus at that age is, is worth celebrating and it's worth keeping. And it's worth empowering. And it's worth wearing earplugs. And it's worth buying some lights. If we're honest, most of what we liked about this morning is because we liked it. It had very little to do with anyone else. 
quite possibly, if I'm really cheeky, it may not have had much to do with God. It's just that you liked it. Let's never, let's never lose the revelation we need. Otherwise, we'll always drift to selfishness. Without revelation, we'll always drift to comfort and selfishness. Eli has a revelation. Oh, this is God. I didn't see it before. So instead of telling the kid off for the third time for being annoying, he does something that is my third point. Eli's advice was simple and practical. See, I'm not asking you to be theologians. I'm not saying do a five-year degree in Bible college, then come and help our young people. I'm talking about just give them what they lack. Do you know what they lack? Wisdom. They lack common sense. The thing about common sense is this. It's not that common. And just by getting alongside, we can bring some common sense in the simplest, most practical ways. This is the advice that Eli gives to this young man who's hearing God. He says, get this, this is deep. He says, go lay down. And the next time the Lord calls you, say, your servant is listening. Is that it? Yep. That's not overly deep. I think every one of us, if we cared enough and had the revelation we need, we could all do that. And if there's ever a time where our young people need to be told to lay down, to stop, to think, to listen, it's now. Our young ones have call coming out their ears. You think that you're not cool enough to help our cool teenagers. Here's the truth. You're not cool enough. But they don't need more call. They need what they don't have. That's wisdom. That's common sense. You say, my hair's too great. It doesn't matter. What they need is someone to mentor, come alongside, invest, encourage, and love, support our young people. I thank God for the Eli's in my life. I do not believe I'd be where I am today doing what I'm doing without that. And as a young man, I always looked for it. But this is what I found. There was road blockage after road blockage. Very few people wanted to invest. Let, not, let that not be said of us. Our young people should have a plethora of people that can speak into their life to be able to help them become the young men and the young women. Isn't it easy for us to say, oh, I heard about someone so slept around again. That's one way of looking at it. But who knows, maybe, just maybe, if they had the right people in their world, when temptation came, they could have made that phone call to hold them and keep them on track. The ball's in our court. Are we going to be the ones who become the grumpy old men and grumpy old women complaining about the young people and here's the thing, when you complain about young people, what you say about them won't be necessarily wrong. To say that our young people act stupid, that's an understatement. 
I'm convinced the word teenager in the original Greek means stupid one. That's where we come in. If you're not dead, God's not done. But God hasn't kept us alive so we can point out the obvious. But that we can come alongside and help and not hinder. We have a rule in our home, no technology in the bedroom. That's a little bit old-fashioned. But this I know, there's a lot of school teachers today complaining about the tiredness of the kids who are up all night on their devices looking at Facebook and Instagram and Twitter 15 to 25 times a day. And they see someone say, hey, don't you think the wisest thing would just be to leave your devices downstairs and go to bed, lay down, sleep. That's the rule in our home. I had a morning the other morning where I had to get up early. And you know when you've got to catch a plane early, you set every alarm in the house. And so I had our clock radio. I, had, I actually brought my phone, one of my devices up next to my bed. I had the alarm. I, I, just wanted, I did not want to miss this fight. BJ, my youngest, this is only a few weeks ago, came in. Uh, she woke up early for what, some reason. I think she had a nightmare. And this is, she's like waking up, Dad, Dad, tells me about her nightmare, tells me about what her problem is. And then she looks over and to her, her horror. <laughs> so she went into to great detail about this nightmare she had. But the greater nightmare was yet to come. <laughs> she goes, Dad, you've got a device. She called it a device. You've got a device. <laughs> We can shape. We can fashion. We can form our young people. Hey, we can brainwash them. Because every one of you is brainwashed. And every one of our kids is brainwashed. Every person on the planet is brainwashed. Don't, don't, don't allow people to say the trouble is with the church, they brainwash you. I hope so. The Bible talks about us having our brains washed with the water of God's word. If we're not washing our brains with the water of God's word, we're washing it with television, we're washing it with secular thinking. I desire to brainwash my kids and to form them, to fashion them, to help them think that having a device next to your bed in the middle of the night is unwise. So, as older, more mature, more responsible members of this congregation, what are you going to do? You will either become better or bitter. With every Sunday and every teaching that goes by, you will either become better or bitter. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.